Hi, I'm Terry Modica, and I want to welcome you into A Pilgrimage of the Soul, a podcast retreat from Good News Ministries of GNM.org. You are entering into a mystical union with Christ, based on the mysteries of the Rosary, for your daily life. This retreat was recorded in New Zealand during a live conference. I invite you to make each episode part of a personal retreat. Set aside time to reflect on what the Holy Spirit is revealing to you. Do the spiritual exercises that are provided in these podcasts. Let's begin with a prayer to open yourself to all that the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you. Pray with me. Come, Holy Spirit, renew me. Come, Holy Spirit, fill me. Come, Holy Spirit, teach me. Help me to receive more of the Father's love and healing from Jesus my Savior. Come, Holy Spirit, you have my permission to change me. Let me share with you a little bit of my story. And over the weekend, I'll, I'll reveal more and more of it. As Helen shared, I was born to a Protestant preacher's family. And I had a relatively easy childhood. I did not really know major sufferings. I was never abused. The worst thing that happened to me was that my father didn't understand me. Isn't that so sad? In, as Helen shared with you, in my search for the supernatural, I went to the powers of the occult. And it was through a Catholic priest, as she shared, who was a friend of the family. It was through the Holy Spirit present in him when he visited us at that first vacation after Ralph and I got married that I realized there was something missing from my life. I'd been involved in the occult for seven years. I had started my life as a preacher's kid knowing Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I had seen him as my best friend. Ever since I can remember, he was my best friend. But after seven years of messing around with the occult, I no longer needed Jesus. I thought I had the power of myself. And I was no longer reading scripture. I lost Jesus as my best friend and didn't realize that I had really lost a friend. But Jesus rescues us. Anybody that you know, and we all know people like this, who have gone astray, who have left the Lord, just remember this, and we're going to cover this again later. Jesus rescues everyone sooner or later, especially because of your tears and your yearnings and your prayers. Jesus rescued me through my friend, Father Ed. Let's fast forward now into the future. It's now 1995. We'll start with that year. And Ralph and I have founded Good News Ministries. We'd been to, we'd seen a model of it in another part of Florida, and they had a week-long evangelization, Catholic evangelization school. We wanted to be part of it. I got to share some of this other parts of the story. <laughs> we wanted to, I got to fill in some of the background just because it's, it's, it glorifies God. And it's, anyways, we were living in New Jersey at the time. And the Lord called us to go to this evangelization school in a town called Pensacola, Florida. 
we went with some church members and we took back with us to New Jersey the seeds of that ministry to spread it beyond Florida, beyond Pensacola, Florida. However, as we're building this in New Jersey, the Lord called us away to Florida, to Tampa, Florida. We, long story short, went where the Lord sent us, and 30 days after we arrived there, the Lord showed us why he sent us there. The man who had started Good News Ministries in Pensacola, his name is Charlie Osborne, was visiting the town we just moved to and putting on a seminar there 30 days after we arrived. And we said, well, we know Charlie pretty well now because he helped us get things started while we were in New Jersey. So we almost didn't go. But we decided, well, ah, what the heck, let's go. The Holy Spirit was like pushing us out the door. <laughs> and after we heard him speak, saying stuff we'd always heard, I mean, we'd heard many times before, so you know, we were like, okay, this is nice, but we haven't learned anything new. Um, as we're leaving, we're shaking his hand and, say, and saying, well, we came just to say hello to you. And he says, he pulls us aside and says, see that priest over there? Father Fitzgerald. He wants Good News Ministries to start in his parish. Will you lead it? And see that lady over there? She's been praying the rosary. She's a member of his parish. She's been praying the rosary for two years for somebody, for God to send somebody who could get this going here. Because she had been to Pensacola and had experienced it, but she didn't have a number of people, it turned out, from that area had gone to Pensacola. But none of them felt they had the leadership skills. Meanwhile, God had trained us in New Jersey. We had a practice putting on the, you know, a, a school of evangelization there. So he points out another lady and says, see her? She's been praying the rosary with her for two years. It was one year prior to this incident. And I said, Lord, this is awesome. It makes a difference in people's lives. And I want to be part of it. I had dedicated my life already to, to adult faith education and faith formation. And this, this week-long school of evangelization, I was watching people, including myself, be transformed by it. And so I said, I really want to be part of this. And I'm praying in the chapel by the statue of the Blessed Mother and kind of felt, sort of seen this image of a woman in blue standing next to me. And I'm going, all right, what's going on here? I am not a visionary. <laughs> Why me? Well, that's because these two ladies down in the Tampa area had been praying the rosary for a year already. And then it took another year for God to train us in New Jersey and send us down to where these people were waiting for us. And so that's how we got started. And uh, although Father Fitzgerald had us come and, and get it started in his parish, he didn't have the time to be our chaplain. So we called our friend, Father Ed, who had helped us get into the Catholic Church, or in Ralph's case, back into the Catholic Church through the charismatic renewal and through the Eucharist, because he explained to me what the Eucharist was. So we invited Father Ed to come move from the state where he, where he was serving. He got his bishop's permission to come to Florida and be our chaplain. Well, in 1996, when we're having 
another one of, it was our second Good News Evangelization Schools. On Monday, when everybody who's attended is in class and is listening to the first speaker, and I go to the tabernacle, and I kneel in front of it and said, thank you, Jesus, for allowing me to be part of this awesome ministry that you're doing. And then I heard, are you willing to suffer to become a better instrument, a better minister for my kingdom? And I said, do you notice the halo? (laughs) I said, no. (laughs) No way. The Lord and I wrestled over that for the next couple of days. And finally on Wednesday afternoon as I'm going up to receive communion at Mass, and Father Ed is the one who's distributing the communion, I hear the Lord say, but I'm safe. You know, I was imagining all kinds of bad things happening. But he was saying, whatever happens, I'm with you. I'll carry you through it. I'll cry with you. I'll lift you up. I'll comfort you. I'm with you. I'm safe. So I said yes, and then received the communion. And a month later, Father Ed became our biggest source of suffering. (laughs) Turned out he was an alcoholic. And a child of two alcoholic parents. Which that, even if he were not an alcoholic, that brings issues along with it. And we began to be smothered by his codependency. And as we drew the lines of this is what healthy love is and this is not, he reacted to that, got crankier. We did a crash course in learning what codependency was and how you draw boundaries and what alcoholism does to a person. And we tried to get his attention on this to get him the help that he needed, but he was in real firm denial. And by the way, I am free to speak to you about him because he's given me his permission to. In learning about this stuff, and he was still in denial, it just got more and more difficult. And the suffering was on the whole family. Because he was just, I mean, we, Ralph and I came home from a vacation and we felt, oh, finally, we got away from the problems for a while and we come home relaxed and he's waiting for us in our living room. <laughs> like, ah. And he said, God told me to come. And I'm going, bull. (laughs) I said, I had been praying all the way home. Lord, please don't let him be there. (laughs) Well, we worked very hard with him for four years. And it just got worse and worse. With alcoholism a lot of times often comes lust. And so, guess who he wanted to have an affair with? All the sufferings, and, and there was others too, all those sufferings are a type of interior suffering. And they can hurt more than physical sufferings. The broken heart is worse than anything else. And the rejection and the, the hopelessness and although I never totally gave up hope because I kept praying. And we'll be going more into that 
over the course of this weekend. In all of that, I had to refocus on who Jesus is. He'd been my best friend growing up. Now what was he to me? You know, praying for people is the hardest thing to have prayers answered on because it goes against their free will. And God does not interfere with free will. And for every person that we're praying for, everything in our lives that we're praying for improvement on that involves other people, it also affects other people and other people and other people. And God, as soon as we start praying, is taking action on the whole lot of them. That's a lot of free wills. It just expands out, and God cares about each and every one of them. And he was already figuring out a plan before I started asking for his help. But it takes a while. And in all of that, we are journeying closer to Christ. We are journeying to healing. We learn how to find joy even in the midst of suffering. At least that's what God wants for us. And we're going to be talking about that tomorrow. There's three ways that Jesus comes to us. I'm not talking just about things like scripture and music, like the beautiful music we have here. Didn't you feel Jesus coming to us as we were singing? I'm not talking about that kind of coming. These are venues of his coming. But how does he reveal himself to us in a way that we recognize him and feel comforted by him and healed by him? How are we helped by his presence in our lives? These are the three ways. The first one is he calls us by name. His voice is calling us by name. An example of this from scripture is Mary Magdalene in the garden after his resurrection, and she thinks he's the gardener, she recognized him when he called her by name. We're going to be going into this kind of, of discovery of Jesus during tomorrow's presentation on the luminous mysteries. We're going to start the day with the joyful mysteries, how to find that joy that I mentioned, even in the midst of, of sufferings. The second way that Jesus comes to us is through his wounds. An example from scripture of this is when Thomas did not believe that Jesus had really come back from the dead and he said, I'll only believe it when I touch his wounds. Jesus this weekend is going to let you touch his wounds and connect your wounds to his wounds. And this we're going to cover in the presentation tomorrow on the sorrowful mysteries. The third way Jesus comes to us is through the Eucharist. And the example from scripture to think about is the journey to Emmaus. When the disciples, after the resurrection, didn't know he had been resurrected and they were walking to Emmaus and Jesus began talking to them about the scriptures and what the scripture said about the Messiah and the Messiah needing to be crucified. It wasn't in those scriptures that they recognized Jesus, although their hearts were stirred. It was when he broke bread with them, when he had mass with them. So we are also going to have mass this weekend. And Jesus will come to you in that Eucharist. We're also going to have adoration of the Blessed Sacrament in a very powerful time of Jesus coming to you, making himself known to you. But first, 
We have to silence ourselves to hear his voice. We have to still ourselves to feel his wounds. Enter into an alone time with Jesus, even though you're surrounded by others. I cannot stress enough how important this is. This is laying groundwork for the rest of the weekend. If you really want to experience Jesus lifting you up, taking your tears and your yearnings and healing you and speaking to you about the situations in your lives that you're yearning to understand better. If you really want to make this a significant life-changing weekend, use this opportunity tonight to be alone with Jesus. Start with visualizing choosing, inventing a sacred space within you. What would be a nice, safe place and peaceful place that you can visualize sitting with Jesus, like me on the boat? And during that or after that, write a letter to Jesus. Write down your yearnings. Write down what you want him to help you with. Tell him about your burdens. Tell him what you left behind in coming to this retreat. Tell him about your aches, your longings. Tell him how you feel about the prayers you've been making for a long time and you don't see any fruit coming from it yet. Whatever you want, write a letter of yearning to Jesus. Let him take that because... Tonight, he is taking your tears and your yearnings and treasuring them. And that will begin the healing process that will take place over the rest of the weekend. You've been listening to Terry Modica of Good News Ministries. For more faith builders or to learn more about this ministry, come visit our website at gnm.org. You'll find online resources and lots more to help you know the Father's love and grow closer to Christ, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Visit gnm.org today.